Do you ever have one of those conversations where you just don't want it to end、mm-hmm. or like you're sitting with、um, someone you deeply respect and you just want to soak up that information and it's like stirs at your heartstrings and you、mm-hmm. feel your just the tears of like joy and recognition and awareness just stir inside your body. Well, that's、yeah. what just happened. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been this emotional in an interview before. So Simran just brings that out in you. She just has so much depth, and she really speaks to your heart, to your soul, and it gives you this opportunity to remove your analytical mind, so you can really sink into every word she is speaking. She's speaking about her book called Living, and everybody needs this book. I will, for those of you that are watching, you're going to see me hold it up, and we will put it into the show notes too, so that those of you that aren't watching or just listening、um, get this opportunity to get this book. Yeah, it was like straight out of the gates. Sonny、yeah. said hello, and it's like the, the tears started. They just、coming. started. She didn't even <laughs> have to say a word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and what what she、uh, unveils in the in the discussion is really just this this journey that she talks about in great detail in the books.、Um, but it's really like this、um, this uncovering. She's a, a term called involution. We're really investigating very deeply the inner darkness, the challenges, the The chaos, the, the, grief. the grief, a lot of these things that we maybe bypass in our life, or we just sort of slide on through. We don't really take the time to fully appreciate, and and I think that's part of what we pick up on is when we're when we're sitting with her, we feel the presence is really like the magic of spending enough time with the emotion that comes to the surface, and basically she, we're we're appreciating her showing up as her as the big.、Mm-hmm. The big you version,、mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So when you listen to this, you can maybe listen to it in pieces, but really grab her book. It's one of those books where one word, one sentence, you want to like sit with and ponder and reflect on. So it's one of those books that's going to be your guide for a lifetime. Yeah. 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 So stay tuned. Let us know what gets stirred inside of you as a result of this conversation, and definitely check out her book.、Mm-hmm. And she's got her second one being released in July, and the third one in December.、Mm-hmm. So、uh, amazing, amazing stuff. Welcome to the Health Ignited podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen. We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Health Ignited, where we're awakening human consciousness and health and healing and personal freedom through having really important conversations. And、uh, we're about to dive in, so buckle up your seatbelts. We've got an amazing guest today,、mm-hmm. uh, Sonia. Do you want to introduce our our guest? I do, Simran. She.、Um, how do I introduce her? When I was in,、uh, introducing my book into the world. I did all these interviews and these podcasts, and I remember coming off of my interview with Simran on her radio show and feeling just so heard. And I don't know why I'm feeling emotional right now.、Um, she just has this way of bringing out such depth、um, from other human beings, and I really feel like she's、um, done that in her new books. So she's a globally recognized speaker, a catalyst for love, compassion, and humanity. 
Example for New World Experience of Aliveness, she advocates for the visionary and mystic within each person. And that's exactly what I experienced in those moments with her. While engaging individuals in the exploration and embrace of their darkest depths, so to uncover their most brilliant light. And that I love. And she's written this trilogy, Living, Being, and Knowing. And so today we're going to be talking about living, and I'm sure we're going to have her back on when we um, are able to talk about being and knowing for all of you. But Simran, welcome, and thank you for sharing your time with us. I'm so delighted and honored to be with you both. And it was such an honor to uh, interview you on Woman Unleashed. It's such a beautiful book, and I love following you on Instagram and seeing all the oh, things. Thank you. Thank you. I think I'm feeling emotional just seeing somebody um, from the same background. <laughs> and I think having similar stories, that which we talked about on the radio show that day, um, you're just such an inspiration for me. So thank you. Um, I was not expecting this. You're meant to be here at Stop it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, maybe so, you should ask the first question. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, we had a really interesting dialogue yeah. uh, just before coming on the, the show today. But before we get into that question, there's a lot of numbers around you. And obviously, numbers have a lot of meaning for you. And so why don't we start the conversation on 11 and 7 and, and some of the numbers and, and how they brought meaning to your life? Because you also talked about very specific dates in how, uh, you know, some information and some awareness and insight came to you. And then you went over the seven year period. So there's a lot of intention uh, that I'm noticing just around uh, numbers and maybe numerology, what have you, but let's start there and then let's get into your story. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a Pisces and I love to know the intricacies of how the world works. I think I've been a seeker for as long as I've been on this planet. And a lot of life never made sense to me because there's a lot of talk about love and talk about compassion and unity in the world. And yet my experiences growing up and particularly in an arranged marriage that I had were anything but that. And during the most challenging, most painful moments of that arranged marriage, I called out to the universe and I said, either make this pain stop or take me out of here, give me a sign or something that I'm on track and on purpose and that you are here. And um, all of a sudden the next day, the numbers 1111 started appearing to me about 20 to 25 times a day on everything. It was a really bizarre experience that happened for about four weeks. I, I saw, I still see 1111 and I saw it ongoing after that, but that four week period was extremely intense. And by the end of the four weeks, I got very angry and I said, either tell me what these mean or make them stop because I feel like I'm going crazy. And it was in that instant I heard in my own voice inside myself, um, I saw all these images of a magazine and radio show and different things that I was to do. And I heard, do this now, you will heal and others will heal. And I had been a workaholic. And so the universe had given me a magazine to create uh, there was not a whole lot of beauty in my life. There was a lot of pain. And the one thing that I did want to try to find again and create again was beauty. And so the magazine gave me a place to not only create that beauty, but to uh, open back up to the beauty within myself. And the 1111 is a gateway. The numbers signify physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual healing, and the gateway that we must each walk through towards mastery. The number 11 itself signifies mastery. And so that's how the numbers began. The series of books that I've created that have the seven is a whole different story. 
<laughs> and I never anticipated that I would be so much about numbers, but I have learned that the universe, that life, that everything about us, it really does boil down to sacred geometry and to numbers. Mm. Well, it's a, it's a perfect segue into to talking about, let's talk about seven a little bit. And, and maybe before that, just for people, I mean, I'm sure you've seen repeating numbers in your life and, and, you know, maybe people are paying attention to them. Maybe they're not uh, for you. You asked a question, you, you received these messages on a re- repeated pattern, and then you knew to, to dive in a little bit deeper. So enter into this next phase of the journey. Uh, Simran's about to release three books in a year, which is unprecedented <laughs> as we discussed beforehand. Can you tell us a little bit about what that journey of, you know, creation, how it stirred inside your heart and down into paper and, and just kind of what you shared with us before we got started, because I think it's such an interesting story. Yes, absolutely. I, um, I actually left my arranged marriage and uh, had planned to move on with my life, but about a year after that, I had a very traumatic incident that left me in a place of grief that was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And as I said before, I've always been a very deep spiritual and personal growth uh, advocate. So I knew two things. Number one, that I create my reality. And if I had created this moment with this much pain, that there was something here for me to discover to uncover that I had never seen within myself or about life ever before. And the second thing that I knew was that the universe will only take me where it's going to show me something beautiful. And that if I were willing to trust enough that there might be gold in this particular space. So rather than the question that I had always asked, which was, will you follow the light to every place that it will take you? Now the question was, are you willing to follow the darkness to the degree of devotion that you followed the light. And that was really the only place I could go because the grief was so overwhelming that I knew that it was a time to be swallowed whole by it and dive into that unknown wormhole to see where is this going to take me? It's trying to, you know, discard all the identities that I am so that I come become nothing and, and is everything in that nothing. And so that's what, originally began this. I never intended to write three books, but during that time of presence over what became seven years, uh, I ended up bringing forth three tables of contents that I later began writing these three books at the same time. And they are all one experience. They are the multidimensional human experience that we are having internally, always at the same time. But we've never been aware that we are experiencing life from these three aspects simultaneously. We tend to focus on one. The purpose of this is to bring individuals to awareness and presence of all of themselves so that we truly can become more whole. I love that so much. And there's so much to unpack just in what you said right now and that element of darkness that I think so many don't want to look at. And especially in the self-help world, there's all, it's always about the light and how do we ascend? And there was something that you wrote in the book about spirit too. It's like, we're not trying to ascend to spirit, but spirit, um, or it, it's, it's awareness is going to descend. I can't remember what exactly the line was, but I remember reading that and saying, wow, like that's, that's it. Like we're always striving um, externally for that next thing or for that connection, but not realizing it's already here. And there's something else that you wrote in here that you're not on a journey but you are the journey. And I think there's this 
forgetting that happens that you also speak to in the book. So I'd love you to unpack those like definitions or those stories that we've kind of attached to that the darkness will only bring sorrow, but really there's so many gifts within that. And just how, how are we the journey ourselves? And if you can unpack that for us. Yes, I, in my own experience, both through personal growth, as well as watching many other light workers and teachers, uh, there was always this conversation about, you know, ascending, and I, I want to get out there. And I think what we most don't realize is we're all pretty much out of body as it is. Very few people are actually in their bodies and feeling you know, what is going on inside of them. And the only way to really have a full and whole, both human and divine experience is to make space so that spirit can descend into the body. And that space comes with the embrace of all of us. And we are dark and we are light. We are both that. It is yin and yang. It is masculine and feminine. It is positive and negative. And only when we are willing to embrace all of ourselves and see every face that we carry internally, then we will become whole. And that's actually the doorway to divinity. So there's really nowhere to go. There's nothing to do but to be fully present. I think we live in a world, particularly in Western society, where it is about agenda and goal and what we can attain and Sonia, you and I come from the Indian culture, which it's all about image. It's all about the degree. And, you know, if you were an Indian child, you had to be a doctor, an engineer or a lawyer. And if you weren't, then you weren't anything. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> things. And we grow up with all this human conditioning that we really do believe this idea that there's some destination at the end of the path that we're here to get to. But that's not the case. You are the journey. And that means every emotion, every experience, you are experience experiencing itself. And the other main purpose of these three books and particularly living is to help individuals understand these unorthodox blessings that we encounter and reframe the experiences that we have in life that are challenge and obstacles and conflict and darkness and chaos and death not as these things that we're trying to push away from and avoid, but that these are actually wormholes and ways to reshape us back towards that wholeness. And when we can really understand that we are serving ourselves and our souls by looking at these in a different way and using them as these places that unwind and decondition and disintegrate us, then all of a sudden we really do become more of who we are and not from the ego sense, but from the soul sense. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I know in the, in the parts that I read in your book, there's this beautiful meeting between wisdom and poetry. And it's really singing to a part of your consciousness that's not just this analytical one that many of us want to want to know well how like like how does this how does this work but it's really speaking to the heart mm -hmm. and and beyond that so why why did you feel like that was important in, in your writing style uh to, to communicate in that kind of way oh thank you for that that means so much to me that you said that <laughs> Uh, it well, it's just, very clear when you read the book, yeah. you'll see what we're talking it's about. It's probably why I'm emotional <laughs> yeah, right yeah. now, because it does speak to your heart so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think 
I've had two longings my whole life. One was more unconscious and one was deeply conscious. The unconscious one came through the byline of 1111 magazine. And that byline is devoted to the journey of the soul. And I didn't realize that every step along the way of my own life has really been devoted to the journey of the soul. The more conscious intention and longing of my life was to be fully human and to feel. I just wanted to feel. I spent so much of my life not really feeling, not not knowing the full breadth of emotion, uh, trying to run away from pain and discomfort that I didn't realize how much I had deadened myself. And so a lot of this unfolding as I moved through seven years, and the seven signify several different things, but in the most literal sense, it's the seven years I moved through. What was really occurring was the flowering of my humanity, the opening of my heart in a way that it had never happened. And grief is definitely a doorway for that. You know, it's, it's not a comfortable experience. It's not what any of us want. But when grief knocks upon your heart to give yourself to that, to drown within that grief, it is the place where you meet the divine within you. It is the place that uh, washes away everything that is not the true you. And so what unfolded from that was this kind of poetic way of writing to get people into their heart first and to bypass the mind and the intellect. I do that in another way with some of the wording style uh, so that it slows people down and brings people more present These are not books to be read cover to cover. They're not even something that you're going to read in a week or a month. Um, These are really meant to be a few lines a day, maybe a paragraph, at most a page a day. And when the other books come out, there's this pattern where people really want to see their horizontal experience. They can read across three books at the same time, which I know sounds bizarre and very much opposite of what the book industry would tell you to do. But that's who we are. We are that multidimensional. We do compartmentalize to that degree. And there, we are these Merkabas. We are these sacred geometric forms that have all these points and angles. And to discover that is to discover the allness and the everything and the isness that we are. And so that's the experience I'm trying to give individuals through these books as well. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I I love how you said like horizontally. Like mm-hmm. I could imagine that people are addressing, let's say, grief in their life, and they're relating it to this way of living with it, and then they're learning how to be with it, and then they're learning to appreciate it in a new kind of way. So I imagine like there's there's like I don't know if we fully graduate completely from everything, but maybe we just you know. It's cyclical. We come back to it in a different kind of way, maybe with a different set of skill sets or heart sets uh, with our ability to appreciate things. But I love that. I think that's that's really beautiful because when we're in the grief, for example, we can fully look at it from all these different angles. And uh, what a blessing that would be to to sort of move through something. And then and now we're going to tackle a new emotion. Yeah, we talked about the word cyclical because the blessings what I discovered is they are cyclical. They will follow this course and we will die again and again and again in this lifetime before we actually physically die. And if someone wants to really know the rhythm and the pattern of that process so that they fully move through every experience and grab all the juice from it, they can find themselves in each one of these blessings and know the direction to move 
toward next. The blessing of life, for example, on that horizontal line when the second book on illusions comes out, you know, it's all about the illusion of time. So when we hit those moments of grief or angst or anger or those real passionate moments where all the emotion is up there, it has everything to do with our illusion of time and how we have gotten wound up in that. And usually where that leads us to first is the first grace, which is the grace of simplicity. And Sonia, I know you went through that. Everybody goes through this place where all of a sudden, you know, everything has to go. I can't be in this marriage anymore. I can't have these things anymore. I can't live in this house anymore. I might not even be able to be in this town anymore. I've got to move. So we all do go through that. And as we move through that, we go through these seven levels of our own growth experience, which is the technology of being human. And as we move through these paths and this energy and wisdom and all the things that come from that, we will course through the cyclical blessings that are to come. Yeah, beautifully said. Can, can you comment? I know Sonia is itching. There's no, okay. a really important thing that you said that, that maybe people don't fully understand. You say you, we die many times before we die a physical death. Can you speak to that a little bit? And then I'm sure it's going to get into some My question, question was around that. So oh, there you go. Okay. We're on the same page. <laughs> yeah, we're on the same page. <laughs> uh, what I have learned is we have been taught in the personal growth field to become more of who we are. It is one of those lines that you constantly hear, especially motivational speakers talk about. But what they don't tell you is if you are following the ego, you're actually putting on more masks, more identities, and it will take you further from the truth of who you are. The deaths will have everything to do with the identities. We are here to die to different identities along the way until we become nothing. And it's in that nothingness that we really do find our compassion, our commonality, our unity, our oneness, even our divinity. But we have to be willing to let go of those aspects. And either we can do it on our own consciously, otherwise there will be these moments in life that pull it away from us, either in the beginning or towards the end, however way, shape or form that is. What I discovered was over time, there were these losses of identity. I was no longer the daughter. I was no longer the wife. At a certain point when the grief occurred and the trauma occurred, I stopped all of my work. So I was no longer the 1111 magazine publisher. I was no longer the radio host. I was no longer the mentor. And then with that traumatic incident, which had to do with my children, what eventually took place was I was no longer the mother. And that was probably the greatest identity that I could lose because there was nothing in this world that could shatter my heart more than, than losing the identity of the mother. And when you, when you go through and you lose all your different identities and you get to a place where, wow, there's nothing left, who am I? It's a different who am I than that constant question that our ego asks of who am I? All of a sudden you start to realize this greater expanse and this overarching big picture that exists. And you start to see every experience for what it is, both personal as well as global, as simply energy an equilibration of energies balancing itself. So there's no negative, there's no positive, there's no good, there's no bad, there's no horrific, there's no peaceful. It is just all these spikes of energy trying to balance themselves out over the eons of time that we have been incarnated. But to play our part in that process, we have to be willing to die to be born to something else. Mm -hmm. And that really is that gift of grief, 
right? Yes. And that gift, and I'm glad you brought up some of those everyday examples. Um, you know, even women going through menopause or a young girl stepping into her years when she's menstruating, there's a loss of identity there. There's a loss of identity going from student to being in the workforce. Like all these moments are happening throughout our life, but we don't pause and recognize that um, gift that's showing up from the emotions that are being stirred, but we get caught up instead in the story of that identity that we want to keep so closely because it's known, it's familiar, it's what gives us comfort. And when that comfort is taken away, that's really when everything unravels and we have no option but to let go of what we thought was who we are. And, and I discussed my personal experience with that with my family and going through my divorce and just unraveling all of that. And in that unraveling, there was that moment where it was so beyond everything that's happening here. And I just felt so connected to something so much bigger. But when you're moving through it, sometimes that for um, other individuals listening might feel so daunting to feel that moving through a grief or loss of a child or a loss of a parent or a loss, these losses that we go through can actually bring us closer to our spirit, to ourselves. So I'm happy that you're really giving that so much service in this book, that relationship with grief and that darkness. And there's something I want to read that you wrote. It was, um, so we had a dark moment this morning, my husband and I, <laughs> mm. with each other, with emotion. And when I was flipping through your book, this was the first thing that showed up. And it was just so suited for to our conversation and what you just spoke about right now with presence. Um, so we we have a perfect life. We never fight. Right, it's like no. nothing. It's all roses and rainbows all the time. Who you you were yesterday is not who you you are tomorrow. Who you are today is not who you were at birth. You, you, you will never be the same from day to day, nor are those who cross your path. Do not carry yesterday's baggage into tomorrow. Hold only onto the breath. This is the energy of spirit, which courses through everything. You, you, you are not experiencing life. Life is experiencing you, you, you. You, you, you are and have always been on life support. Remember to breathe, just breathe. Yeah. I'd love for you to speak to that. Yeah. You're talking about the different deaths, particularly for women, menopause or young girls when they're moving into their menstrual cycle or when young adults are graduating from college or all of these different things. And what we tend not to do is feel from every aspect. And so as you were reading what you were reading, it had multiple use that the, the person watching won't quite understand until they see the book, but I was guided to write the book illustrating those different aspects that are operating at that same time. Because when we honor that part of us, what we will find is in the midst of that divorce that's taking place, there is a you that is grieving, grieving the dream that never took place, grieving the idea of what you thought love was, grieving this relationship that once began in this beautiful way and has ended in this tragic argumentative way, if that was the case. And yet there's this other part of you that's celebrating, celebrating the birth of this more empowered self that was able to move forward, celebrating, you know, 
the individuality and the unknown that's about to take place. And then there's this other part that's way back in the background that is um, slightly afraid, that is a little child that's innocent, that's not quite knowing what the next step is, that's wanting to cling. And so there are all these different pieces that take place. And as I wrote these three books, what I knew I wanted to do was to bring individuals completely present, to slow them down to such a degree that they start to really see life. It's not that the things I've said in here are not accessible to everyone. I just became so present that I tapped into wisdom that is right here. And that's available and accessible to all people. If we are really willing to just face what our life gives us fully and completely feeling every moment on every level that we are, we tap into the kind of truth and wisdom that is just present in the field. And so living is that book that is our personhood. It is the part of us that's ignorant of its vices and um, that's unconscious, that's conditioned, that's homogenized. It's this dreamwalker that's adorned in identities and it's just trying to make sense of life. And we bump up against things because we don't realize that our ego is operating and sending us down rabbit holes and that life is trying to break those identities apart to get us back to the truth of who we are. And so when we look at you, 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 the capital Y lowercase OU is that living part of us, that identity part of us. The lowercase YOU is the subconscious piece. I write more about that in the second book being the seven illusions that derail personal power, purpose, and peace. It's the small S-E-L-F, the shadow, the animal, even the monster and the demon expression that's within us. And that one is unconsciously obedient to uh, the gray zone, the numb, disconnected, and deeply distracted way of life. And this is the version that's possessed by our inner demons and really is what's operating in our life and creating the steps along our path until we become conscious of it. And then the capital Y-O-U is our humanity. It is the part of us that is here to to feel, to be committed to the soul, to be willing to have the courage to walk through every path and is going to flower into the greater being that is the divine. And when all these three come together, it is the full multidimensional human experience. And it is only from that place will we actually walk into our godhood, our full divinity. Mm, so great. My goodness, you said so much there that <laughs> it's so important. Um, but I have a I have a question about destiny. So and there was a line in the book where you said um, it's all written. And this is something I think culturally we probably heard over and over again from our parents too, that everything's written. So for somebody listening, sometimes I know I've had conversations with others where there's a trigger that shows up. Well, if everything's written, where does choice come in? And if you can help that relationship to kind of unpack that for our listeners. Yeah, I actually go very much into that in the second book being. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that free will was at the soul level, that everything that is created in this lifetime is already planned out by the soul. And that if we are here to awaken, it's because the soul had us awaken. 
if I was to be on this podcast, it was because my soul was to have me on the podcast. If you were to have canceled the podcast, or if I had decided not to show up, that was because my soul decided not to show up. And so we think we have this choice. We think we have this, this way forward. But in truth, everything that happens is really destined to happen. And it's kind of already written on our forehead, so to speak. It's, it's written in our names. Um, you can often, if you just really research your own name, it will tell you the truth of who you're here to grow into. And I think that that's part of the puzzle and the mystery of life. Um, everyone has deja vu. And I talk about deja vu a little bit in one of the books. And the reason that we have deja vu is because we've already done this. We've already been here. We really are simply remembering that we are remembering. And when we can really look at life from this magical, wondrous place, then all of a sudden, you know, destiny and goals from that perspective are no longer interesting in, in that ego sense to run after. Uh, in one of my earlier books, I talk about destiny and I divide it up into DES and tiny. And DES really means God or divine. Mm -hmm. And tiny is tiny. So we are tiny gods here mm -hmm. on the planet to ultimately remember our true destiny, which is the God creator of our own reality. And I think that understanding can beautifully be woven into the understanding around grief. Because for someone that maybe is in that place, um, you know, we've had some horrible losses in my family and seeing a mother lose her son in the way that she did, I could see she would be in a place of not understanding that everything happens for a reason or that was written. And I think culturally we are brought up to understand that everything is written, that you know um, we are spirit and we believe in reincarnation. So there, there's these other elements that can support that process of grief. But how do you help somebody shift out of um, a place where their emotion is so tied to, I don't know how, if I'm articulating this the properly, not even the event, but this human experience without, without actually understanding that bigger picture of spirit and how, like you said, it is written on the forehead and that we invite these individuals into our lives to lose them. So how can we reframe or frame that for someone that maybe has never stepped into this kind of languaging or understanding around darkness and grief? Like what would be the first step for them? You know, I think that many people, if they've really stopped long enough to think about the grief in their bodies or the sadness that they want to feel around certain events personally, or even looking at the world, the thought might cross their minds that if I start crying, I may never stop. Mm -hmm. And that was one thought that actually had crossed my mind many times over that, wow, I, I may never pause crying. If it ever stopped, I better just not cry. And so for the longest time I didn't. And when this incident happened and the grief started, the tears would not stop. They just would not stop. And part of this very human feeling experience, it's paradoxical. It, it goes in a direction that you would think, who wants to go there? Why would we ever go to a place that would lead to hopelessness or depression or some of the things that you're going to encounter? And it is because when you walk through those things, you will find peace on the other side, but we have to be willing to face those things. And the reason that we face those things is not because something happened, it's because it's already in the body. The events in our lives are actually occurring 
partially because of contracts that we have with other people, but more so because of the echoes. So another reason that I have seven on the book is number one, it's a highly spiritual number. It is a number for those who are here to truly dive into their mastery and be a catalyst of love on this planet by reaching their highest potential of spiritual mastery. The second reason I have seven on there is because every single moment of our lives goes back to the first age stage of zero to seven. So if every individual just went and looked at the incidents that happened from zero to seven, both the really, really exciting, joyful ones, as well as the most painful ones, and you counted out seven year increments, like a ripple in a pond or an echo, you would find that you encounter the same kind of experience over and over again. And so when I looked at the trauma and the loss of my children at the time that it happened, and I started to go back, I started to realize, wow, seven years ago, I, this was a loss. And seven years before that, this was a loss. And seven years before that, this was a loss. And each of those times, I never fully felt it. I actually distracted myself. I got into another project. I moved to another city. I did something else to never fully be with what it was. And so we create these pebbles, rocks, and boulders that increase in time. And we have these contracts with individuals that say, I'll be the one willingly loving you enough, unconditionally enough to be that moment that breaks you through the shell of your masks and lets you really tap into the humanness that you are. And so this is a very human experience and it is a very divine one. I'm not going to say that it's easy to move through all of these emotions, but I can say that when you're willing to do so, you will encounter a greater experience of personal power, purpose, and peace than anything else would ever take you there. And you will embrace yourself in a way that you never have before. I went through this as a seven-year process, extremely present. I wrote it so that other people don't have to. I went through the depths of emotion, feeling them in a way that I could understand how to lay out the steps and stages so that others, as they move through their emotions and their feelings, they feel like someone's holding their hand and walking beside them so that they're not alone through these processes. Because it can be a very lonely walk when you're in a place of pain or aloneness or grief or abandonment. But all of a sudden, if you see that someone has been through that or guided through the process, it makes it much easier. Hmm. I love how you talked about the soul contracts. Like that's, that's a really empowering way of looking at circumstance that shows up in life. And that what if there was an opportunity to reframe things for people when they're, you know, met with challenge or loss or, you know, frustration with someone else in their life or what have you. And to think that, you know, I can't remember, we, we interviewed someone who talked about like the, this cosmic cafe concept where we're all sort of, you know, in our soul body, so to speak, making agreements and supportive contracts with one another and how we'll show up in each other's life. And, and, um, and, and again, for some people that may not be something that they can grasp fully, but it really, it, when we, you know, when we can sit with our feelings or emotions in, in this time, we can start to see our, our part in the process a little bit more in these contracts that, that show up. Can you talk about that a little bit more in, in your language? Because I think that that's a really important way for people to, to appreciate a uh, part of this, this, this journey that, that we all go on. 
Yeah, I think ultimately you either believe in a divine plan or you don't. And so if everything that's showing up in your life, regardless of what it looks like, you're going to sit there and question it, then all of a sudden you're saying the divine plan is wrong. Mm. And so I think that that's a first place that, that we all must get to. For some reason throughout my life and my spiritual journey, I never looked at the outside other than being a mirror and a barometer. So when anything would happen, whether it was in my prior marriage or whether it was in life, my career, or whether it was my finances, I always looked at it and asked myself, where's that in me? Uh, my first book was Conversations with the Universe. It talks a lot about signs, symbols, and synchronicities. And it is how I started my spiritual growth path. Every person I would meet, every experience, every place, I would just ask, where is that in me? What is that trying to teach me about me? What is that trying to uncover in me? And because I did that, all of a sudden, the world felt more cooperative, even if it wasn't always the gentlest and the kindest world, it felt like it was cooperating with me because it was showing me places about me. And so ultimately, I had to come inside. And my journey of self-love has been decades. And I think that that journey of self-love is a lifetime for all of us. It is ultimately probably the biggest thing that we must all uncover. And there is no greater self-love than the continual diving into oneself. My prior pathway of self-love was to embrace the shadow and to embrace the inner child. And those are very powerful steps along the personal growth path. They will help you to embrace others for what took place. They'll help you get to places of forgiveness for what you considered wrongdoings of other people. They'll get you to the place of understanding that, okay, this is their contract. This is my contract. We came together as souls to agree that we each wanted to grow in a certain way. And to do that, we had to have a conflict or we had to you had to do this for me and you loved me enough as a soul to do this to me or for me so that I could then expand beyond that. But when you dive into this material with living, being, and knowing, all of a sudden what you're really saying is, do I trust? Do I trust life? Do I trust God? Do I trust myself? And when you surrender to an experience that is right in front of you in your life, whether that's a health crisis or a financial one, whether that's something that your child is going through that's really, really difficult, whether it's a conflict in a relationship, uh, whether it's your own battle with uh, career or self-image or whatever that is, when you face that head on and you feel every moment and you give yourself to that, all of a sudden you have to start trusting yourself. You have to learn how to trust and love every part of yourself in whatever way that's showing up. And then you have to start trusting and loving the people around you and life. And then you realize that it extends to the divine and what was the divine plan. And so self-love and trust are ultimately what will bring any individual to this place of compassionate understanding, openness, and embrace of every other human being for who they are. None of it's personal, and yet it's very personal at the same time. That's the paradox of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. I was, when, as you were speaking before, I'm like, I need to ask her about trust. Like, how would she mm -hmm. define it? How do we step into it? And you just went right there because that's, that's what's necessary. 
in all that we do. And there's a term that you bring up in the book, involution, quite often. Can you define that for the listeners? Because the Those versus evolution. Evolution, yeah. Like, how can you um, differentiate that for listeners? Yeah. Yes, um, evolution I actually have listed as one of the illusions in the second book being the seven illusions that derail personal power, purpose, and peace. We're taught that there is a place to evolve to, that we are here to grow into something when in truth we are all of it right now. We just have to bring awareness and presence to it. And to do that requires involution. That means fully diving inside on every level. And so each one of the blessings actually helps that to unfold. Each blessing has seven different levels that, that take you into that process of, of involution. Um, each one engages a certain path where you will ask yourself, you know, what's the walk here? Who is it that I'm to embody in this particular blessing as I'm moving through it? And as you do so, then all of a sudden that reflects a certain energy that you are to have exude from you. And that's an energy that's to be awakened within you, uh, an energy that your body and your actions and your words will start to express to bring you more into the body and to have you go deeper into your own cells. And then that takes you to growth, which is what you're supposed to discover about yourself, what you're supposed to discover about the world. And then that takes you to a place of truth. And truth is what we're here to remember. So each one of the blessings will take you to that place of what you're here to remember. And then it moves you into the wisdom of it. And the wisdom is the integration that takes place. And so as each of these layers are happening, you will feel a visceral deepening inside the body and a rooting and a grounding within yourself and to the earth that is different than anything that you've done before. And then something will emerge from that. And that's a certain unification quality that we have to unify with, whether that's our feminine energy or our masculine energy, our child spirit or the divine, each one of the blessings has its own unification quality. And when we do that, there are at minimum three gifts that will be revealed to each one of us. And those gifts are something that awaken us to our greater mastery, as well as uh, the other aspects of our paths, our visionary, our mystic, our uh, spiritual rebel, all of these different pieces and parts of us that we will continuously expand to. And then that's how we meet the faces of others in the world, because we've now met all of these faces within ourselves. We really are crystals. We are like faceted crystals, and we are just here to shift and turn to see how the light reflects from us and how we can walk into a room and attune a room or uh, be around someone and cleanse a space. But that only happens if we dive into involution and really clear the space in here to such a degree that we know all that exists. Well, I think you did that for us when we said hello you, uh, hello to you today. Yeah. <laughs> Stirred this emotions like yeah. this, you know, connection with a, a sister that we just you know, uh, deeply appreciate that, that frequency that you're, you're mm -hmm. delivering into the it's world. Very present. But yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. There, I've got a question. I mean, many people, when they are on this journey or this path of discovery, and I love how you described involution, there's almost like this new sense of vigor and, um, excitement for life. And I'm going to be this way. I'm going to show up this way. Life happens. And then sometimes we get 
course corrected or sidetracked or habits from the past start to come back up. Um, which book do you think speaks to like some of this, you know, challenging uh, experiences where we, we feel like, okay, now I got it. And then life goes, no, you don't. Um, <laughs> and then you have to come back to it in a different kind of way. I mean, that's part of that cycle that we talked about before, but uh, I think so many people um, myself included, you know, we think that we've got something figured out and then, and we actually, we, and we do show up differently. We do show up in a, a more fuller expression of us. And then, and then we get a little sidetracked. Uh, if you could talk about that a little bit, that'd be great. Yeah, you're talking about the blessings. It's all in there. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that's why this felt like it needed to be the first book that released. Um, these things that we bump up against, we're bumping up against them for a reason. And if we really allow ourselves to face them, they will take us each to this place of aliveness. We think we're alive. But most of us are just living or we're trying to make a living or we're, we're going along, you know, a path that our ego has decided. And what we don't realize is how reactive we are. Every choice in our lives from our careers to uh, who we marry to um, every step we take is actually reactivity from that zero to seven childhood. And the only way to uncover uh, and dissolve that is to allow the unwinding of these seven blessings so that we move to this very neutral place, an equanimous place where we flower into a, a place of aliveness that is much different. But that aliveness happens after death. It happens after we are willing to shed what was old. And so these blessings are not going to just happen one time. They are going to happen repeatedly, unless you just decide one day, I'm going to close the door on everyone and everything I was before and no longer be any of that, which is not an easy thing for any of us to do because the mind won't let us do that. And so it's more about uh, not wanting it all to be over or to get away from it or to be different, but to fully face it and to let ourselves be completely human. It's why we came to the planet we didn't come here to go somewhere else. We didn't really even come here to achieve anything. There's nothing to achieve. We came here to feel. We came here to connect. We came here to love. We came here to understand each other, to be present to each other, to see each other. And so by moving through these different blessings and then moving into the next stage where we uncover how deeply self-absorbed we all are, then we will move into that flowering of humanity, which then takes us to true aliveness. The one thing that was, I think, one of the most enlightening experiences in moving through the grief, I had spent a decade and a half creating beautiful things. I had written three other books. I had created the magazine, the radio show, all these things. I had done a one-woman show across the country, all these things before this traumatic moment happened. And they were beautiful and they helped a lot of people and they were very nice and um, I know that they're full of wisdom, but after going through this process, I look back and I go, wow, what beautiful artificial lighting that was, mm -hmm. because that's what most light workers and most individuals are doing if they have not fully faced all of themselves. They're creating beautiful things in the world, but it's artificial lighting it still lights up a room. It will still show the beauty that's there, but it's not the true light that exists within all of us. And for each of us to really tap in to that true light, you have to be willing to go into the dark because true light is only found there. Mm, 
I love that. So I'm sure everyone's asking, does Simran live in a cave and meditate all day? <laughs> yeah. And is that how she got enlightened? <laughs> Can you talk yeah. about your journey? Do you, do you have personal practices and create the, the Merkaba energy body? Or I, I'm sure people are wondering, like, what do you do to, to, uh, to access these states of consciousness? You know, that's another reason I wrote these books is because I really wanted individuals to understand that any person, no matter who they were, where they came from, what their religious background was, whether they practiced or not, they can reach enlightenment if they just face their life fully. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's during that seven year period, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to inspire anybody. I didn't, I lost all my faith. I didn't want to meditate. I didn't want to do anything. And I was in such a state where all I could do was be present. All I could do was feel because it would not stop. The grief started and I cried for months and months and months. And then all of a sudden it paused for about a month and a half. And I thought, okay, I don't, don't feel I can get up. My body still is aching and hurting. And I know there's something happening in here, but I've gotten this respite. And then all of a sudden the grief started again and it lasted again for months and months and months, but it was different. The first stage of grief was mourning what had happened in my life. The second stage of grief, all of a sudden I realized, wow, my mother lost children, my grandmother, this has gone back into the lineages of my ancestry as far back as I can dig the emotion that's coming through me right now is not mine. It's I'm crying the tears of my mother and my grandmother and my great grandmother and all of them because they never cried. And so I thought if I can purge that, let me purge that. So I let that come through me. And then it paused again for about a three month period. And then it started back up again. And I had tapped into the the world soul, the mother soul of, of earth and all of the grief there the grief of women everywhere that have encountered loss of their sons in war or encountered other types of tragedies where they were never allowed to grieve. Men whose feminine sides had been suppressed and they were not allowed to grieve. So I was tapping into this kind of global ocean that was not being allowed to be purged. And it's not like I'm some special person that did this for the world. We are all here to do this. I certainly didn't expunge the world of all of its grief in my seven-year period, but we can all do a piece and a part of that if we're willing to just take that experience that we have and allow ourselves to be there. Becoming that deeply present to one's own life will bring you all the enlightenment and gifts and skills you never knew you had. I started painting in that seven years. I didn't even know I could paint. And so all these things will start to happen, but you have to become present. And again, the books are meant to be read a few lines or a paragraph at a time so that you don't have to sink so far down in the well that you get lost, but that it allows you the contemplation to let those pieces drip out like a nice gentle waterfall when it needs to happen rather than uh, Niagara Falls in my case. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's so great. And, you know, there's so many traditions that speak to that healing that happens within oneself and how we can then heal the generations before and the generations forward. I remember having experience in my last um, shamanic training when they were teaching us history about the Indus Valley and they were talking about women then and then women in India. And I just remember 
having a discussion circle and I couldn't even speak. I just kept crying and crying. And, you know, the teacher there was like, you're, you're grieving for all the women. And I think we do on an everyday basis have these experiences, but be, being able to discern what is mine and what have I been holding and what a gift that is to be able to move through that for others. And I do think that we all have that capacity to heal here and then be able to heal bring that out into the world. So thank you for sharing that. I think it's so important for everyone to know that about themselves, that that ripple effect really does occur when you start to step into that space of darkness that we all have experienced. And these are some waters. These are the tears of divine. You know, when we cry, it's not, it's not a sign of weakness. It's not something to shy away from you know, I love to cry now. Like, it's like, bring it on because I can feel <laughs> the weirdness of it. As the waters are cleansing and coming through, there's an intimacy there that takes place. And over time, those tears of grief shift into tears of joy. Mm-hmm. But you have to, and it's true joy. It's not just the artificial joy. It's really true, heartfelt, deep joy. And so I invite everyone to really become fully human. We don't realize how unhuman and inhumane we have become. It's time for us to return to our humanity. Mm-hmm. So, Maria, we can talk to you, talk to you for hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sad that the hour is over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Tell everybody where they can find the book, where they can find you, and just, yeah, how they can and receive the radio more show and the magazine and mm-hmm. all yes. of that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Living the seven blessings of human experience is out now. So you can enjoy that one and start partaking in it. Being the seven illusions that derail personal power, purpose, and peace is available for pre-order and it releases July 28th. And knowing the seven human expressions of grace releases December 28th. You can find out more at my website, imsimran.com. And uh, you can also go to 1111 Magazine and 1111 Talk Radio Podcast by going to 1111mag.com. Those resources are always free and uh, available for anyone that wants more personal growth. Thank you. We'll put all of that in the notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for your time. I, ask your... I think she's already answered it. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question to ask every... Um, um everyone we interview but you've already you've already covered that so i won't even go there yeah thank you so much you're lovely the two of you are lovely and your energy together and your interaction and your intuitiveness together it's just such a a beautiful beautiful thing to behold so it's been an honor to be with you thank you thank you so much simran i've never welled up so many times with with tears and and of just ahas and and just hearing you speak and hearing your depth of your heart when you when we first connected with Simran today too. It's just, it's really nice to be around people like you. I mean, <clears throat> it's clearly that we need more of us to do that process of involution and go through the, the work in your book, uh, books, I should say. Uh, I'm excited to dive in the more as well. It's, it has been a total, total blessing and honor to have you yeah. here. Yeah, we'll have to yeah. have you back. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. 
Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe.